Hello, dreamers. Welcome back to the show. If this is your first time watching or listening, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. Hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at livingthedream506. Share it. Tell your friends about it. All that good stuff. Everything helps. So thanks, at the very least, for just being here. My guest today is the drummer for one of my favorite bands in the world, and that band is Alt-J. His name is Tom Sonny Green, and he also has a solo album called High Anxiety, which I love. He's one of the nicest, most down-to-earth people I've ever talked to, and it was surreal having him on the show. And we go deep, so I hope you guys like it. Jay and I am living the dream. So how are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's nice evenings, kind of. Sun's going down. It's been a nice day. So, yeah, all good. How about you? Good, good. It's uh, it's pretty hot here today, and uh, it's looking like a lightning thunder and lightning storm might be rolling in, which is oh, right. just perfect for this. So how's life? Um, yeah, life's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously it's surreal i think i think uh despite how surreal it is um i have been appreciating how how fortunate i am um you know i have everything i need at home and and i've got good things going on and i i'm fortunate that i can step back when i need to you know last few months me and the band have had to uh to do that from like mid-march we um before the lockdown was introduced in the UK, like we we knew that we 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 shouldn't be going anywhere. I'm 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 very high risk um being on uh, immunosuppressants from a kidney transplant. Um 
according to the NHS, I'm like uh, it's one of the more at-risk people I am. So, you know, and it's a weird thing to be told that and because I feel fine and I, I have felt fine for a long time and I've had colds and, and maybe the flu even before and I've felt like shit, but I've got, I've got over it. Um, so it's a weird thing to be told, like, you might die if you get it. So don't leave the house, like, at all. Yeah, I can't imagine the, just the stress of thinking about that, I guess. Like, and I know, well, the title of your solo album was High Anxiety. So I know that you, you've dealt with things like that. How has it affected you and how have you kind of dealt with that? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it could be worse, I think. It could have been worse the last few months. I think I'm, I'm, I'm lucky I've got to the point in my life where I've managed to, I've been working on myself for a while now and previous to lockdown, I'd um, been at home quite a bit. The band took some time off uh, from everything um, and just kind of made sure that we had time to be at home and I had the opportunity to like think about things a little bit and do what I needed to do for myself and my own mental health, which I've done at various points in my life, but not like seriously and not with the right kind of help. So I've actually, I was actually very well prepared, I think, for the lockdown, you know, and it, it has been anxiety, anxiety inducing. And I think maybe more than I realize, I think the past week, actually, I've noticed that I, I have a tendency to get very um, kind of fidgety and I, and I like, just a bit like scratchy and stuff and i don't notice it until someone else points it out and and i think why why is that happening and and you know i can i can be quite hard on myself sometimes and there's been a lot of that i think during lockdown being like i'm at home like i should be like writing a, a an album from start to finish or you know learning to play the piano fluently or all that stuff and then you realize it's like that's ridiculous like you, there shouldn't be any kind of um, bar for, for um, output during during lockdown. So it's been a bit of that kind of like giving myself the, the space to do whatever I need to do, but also staying disciplined. And but in terms of anxiety, like I've, I've never felt better. Like I've never had it this much under control before. So I'm very fortunate for that. Why do you think that is? I think I've learned to understand where it came from. I think that's been the key. I think a lot of my anxiety over the years has been due to not really knowing what the, um, you know, what's going on. That's terrifying when you are really in the grips of neurosis and or pushing the boundaries of what, what felt like pushing the boundaries of sanity, uh, for a long time doing that on your own without any kind of like reference you know i thought i was going mad like genuinely for a long time and understanding that i'm not like understanding that my mental health is or has been bad but i'm not going mad i'm not mad you know i convinced myself of all kinds of things you know i was really up against it and i think learning where the root of things came from um, helped me understand that I can then give myself a break uh, 
I can look at it as an outsider and think, how can I make that better? Like, you know, one thing I've learned to do is think of, think of what my responsible adult might do and, you know, think of my, myself as a child as well and think when I'm being really, really hard on myself, like think like, would I be saying this kind of stuff to a friend? Like, would I be saying like, you're not good enough. Like, you know, you, 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 you eat really badly. You look terrible. Or you, I would never ever treat anybody like that. So why would I treat myself like that? Um, and I've been, you know, been given that by, you know, I've been doing CBT therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy for two years. Uh, and that's been life changing, you know, finding, finding that, finding a good therapist, just taking this, taking this long and I'm no, I'm nowhere near finished, but I feel just so much relief, you know, and, and, and it also meant that I was taking, I was taking various medications for, anxiety and depression I was able to come off those because of therapy which is something I never ever thought I would do I thought that was it you know I thought I would I would either I was only ever going to change medication or it would get stronger I just that's just what I thought so once you come off those things when you're ready my mind was just like oh my god like I I I, I, I still have like you know, my, my personality of being quite, uh, I'm, I'm very, very, um, I think a lot. Part of the problem was that I would think a lot and not really understand why, and it would go out of control. Whereas now I can think a lot and not be terrified by it. And that's, that's been incredibly liberating, you know, being able to just accept like a bit more of myself. It's incredible. The first couple of months after coming off the last medication I was taking, I felt like, like, uh, just, um, the happiest I've ever felt and I could still do like, yeah, it's amazing. Do you think that's like, has it affected your creativity in any way? Like whether it be music writing or your art, like your painting and things like that? I think it has. Yeah. I, th I think it's, it's not affected like I don't think it's affected like uh, my kind of vi vision, if I can call it that. Like um, I think it's just affected my confidence towards trying to achieve it, and because because I feel better like uh, around people, and I feel I feel less social anxiety, and um, I feel more confident in those environments. That's meant that I can maybe push myself a bit more, like maybe work with somebody that I'd like to work with or you know last year we um I I, I, I wanted to uh, try acting for a long time and so I found a class and I started classes and ended up do, being in a play like last year which I would never have been able to do three years ago there's no way that I would have done that and even when I was doing it I was like you know how, how is this happening and like side of stage on the opening night I was just like why am I doing this? Like, how did I get here? So it has definitely just feel like, you know, I feel like it's like a greenhouse that like the, the windows have just kind of been clogged up for, for, for 20 years. And then we've just given them a good power wash. You know, I can see in it, I can see out from it a lot clearer. Yeah. That's awesome. What was the name of the play that you performed in? We did um, an, an adaptation of 
Chekhov's The Seagull. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's apparently it's regarded as like the first kind of contemporary play. Like it's, it, it, it kind of was trying to move on from the like classic kind of like overdramatic both theatrical kind of acting and it's more about more about more method and um the adaptation we did was we used like uh kind of contemporary language i played a character called boris tregoran who was a uh he was a, a writer a successful writer but a narcissist very very insecure and uh it was tough like some of it identifying with a lot because you're encouraged to kind of you know, you, you look at the character and you find that in yourself and then you locate those experiences and emotions in yourself and draw them out so you're not really actually acting, you're not pretending anything. Um, but it was an incredible experience. I'd like to do it again. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. It, you got me thinking, like, a lot, of, a lot of people attribute their art to depression and just darkness and that, that sort of births and stems a lot of art but you kind of alluded to having a vision the entire time that hasn't changed since your mental health has kind of improved. So like, what, like, is there a way you can explain your vision? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think I, the way that I've viewed it, I think generally and, and for the longest time is it's really about conveying the fact that um, I am I'm here and that I am conscious and I have a conscious mind and I, I don't know really what that is, but I, I, I would like to kind of communicate with people, I guess, through arts in, a, in, a, in the purest way that I can. Like I'm very, I'm very drawn to painters like Mark Rothko or um, uh, Howard Hodgkin, people who can express emotion very simply with color. It doesn't have to just be color. You know, I'm into all kinds of visual art, but for me, it's I mean, because it's abstract as well. It's, it's a language, which um, it's an infinite language you could say. And, and, it, and it, the appeal of that is I've always, I've always, love that appeal of being able to kind of use you know for example with painting you know finding a, a certain um color or hue and 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 uh evoking an emotion within somebody just with that one color and it's the same for music you know like you might have a chord or or a beat or a, a lyric or a sound and it can like really like affect you you know affects me like it quite profoundly sometimes or even like um i think yesterday there was i think the tv was on and and i and i heard like this backing track to something and and uh and it just i locked onto it you know and and it was just a very simple thing and i like the idea of being able to do that you know and i'm very kind of i've always been quite aware of how little time you actually have around and to me it seems like such a small amount of time considering how much there is to experience 
like I, I, I want to be able to, to I, I just want to be able to like find that good stuff, you know, it's one of my biggest motivations for making any kind of art is, is that breakthrough. Like you've happens now and again, where you, you hear a piece of music or you, you, you watch a film or uh, whatever it is. And I, I, I'm desperate to do that myself. And, and, and the funny thing is, I won't ever achieve it because uh, I'm always striving for more, you know. You know, I might, you know, we, we've been very lucky with the band. Like, we've got a, 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 an amazing amount of support and get compliments quite often and uh, some quite, like, very, very um, meaningful responses from people. And... Uh, you know, as a drummer, like I get a lot, a lot of uh, praise on tour. You know, for example, from all kinds of people, and I love it, and and I appreciate it. But all that does is kind of adds fuel to the fire, and and makes me think like, well, it's kind of a license to keep going as well. And I, you know, it's, it's quite a general answer, but it's I I find that art for me is a um, it's kind of my my priority. I think, yeah. When did music become such an important part of your life? Like, do you remember a specific time growing up, maybe that sent you on this path, or like a song or a band that sort of started it all for you? I think I think there's been multiple um, examples of that throughout my life where I've had moments of uh, significant impacts. I think the earliest one that I can remember was uh, when I was toddler being um my dad had like rigged up the whole house speakers running throughout the whole house uh and back then you know it wasn't just like sonos you know or like bluetooth like he actually wired it all around the house um to one record player and he used to like a lot of uh like knack and coal music um and i'd be like on the floor uh doing whatever and I, I remember hearing uh Nat and Cole a lot and his voice kind of resonating through me and um it being very very um um you know I would see things when I would when I would listen to it it would be very very visual uh and I and I kind of have always kind of had that since then and then I discovered listening to music uh, on headphones as I got older when I was about 11 or 12 a friend of mine who was a few few years older than me made me a um, mixtape and it had like Deftones Michael Jackson uh, some punk bands like there's a band called Guano Apes uh, and I was obsessed with this this mixtape especially with the Deftones and I'd already started to like get interested yeah I'd already started to get interested in music by then, and and uh, but the the drums for uh, Deftones, um, I really locked onto that, and that's when I started to kind of get a bit, a bit obsessed with drums. And um, yeah, as I got older, it was then Blink One Eight Two, like Travis Barker, learned how learned his style a bit because I taught myself. I would just listen to music and try and repeat what they were doing. Um, and you do that long enough, then it's a good way to learn. Um, and then uh, going to university, 
in Rainbows uh, by Radiohead came out the first year of university. And by that, up till then, I was pretty much exclusively metal. And I was one of these guys that was like, anything else, anything outside of metal is, um, you know, is weak. <laughs> and I was so naive. I mean, my friends thought we were cool because we only listened to metal. And it was good because we only listened to metal. And metal is incredibly uh, complex. And some of the, you know, like listening to Pantera and, and Nirvana for years and playing that stuff as well. Um, but then in Rainbows, just like, just expanded it just 360 degrees in my head. And that was, a, that was another, another fork in the road. And I just, I kind of, it just kind of branched out massively. Like, you know, in rainbows might be the most influential album to me. And then, and then after that, it was a bit more like electronic music, like clams casino, his beats like inspired me to make, start making music electronically. And then it was um, Arca recently. Um, Arca's first two EPs, Stretch One, Stretch Two. Those then took the the, the kind of the classic classic kind of like grid production style, like four uh, four by four beat, and Arca just threw it all in the air, and um, I just couldn't understand how he did it, and that influenced me a lot. Um, so yeah, I feel like I've been lucky. Like things have come along at the right time. I'm waiting for the next one in terms of music. I'm curious to see what it'll be.
I've still not, I've still not gotten into the Beatles, so that'll happen at some point. I'm looking forward to it. It's just not yet. Yeah. Well, I know, I know there's been accounts of Joe taking mushrooms and it's kind of affected his uh, writing style. And maybe that's how some people get into the Beatles. Like, has that ever been a part of your life? Any experimentation to enjoy the music? Um, I used to, I used to smoke marijuana when I was younger quite a bit growing up. I think that definitely influenced, it might have influenced my tastes. Like I was really into like metal and, and slower kind of um, like stoner, like metal and grunge. I still am. Like I've, I have naturally always been drawn to the kind of slower uh, kind of driving kind of beats um i've never taken hallucinogens because uh i don't think i would i don't think it would um work well well with anxiety and depression (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah i mean some people swear by it and some you know there are a lot of like really amazing like kind of clinical trials and benefits especially to mushrooms um but recreationally uh I've experienced, I felt like I've experienced transcendental um, ways of being without drugs uh, through um, anxiety and various kind of mental uh, states um, and they weren't pleasant. So I've, I've, I've not really been drawn to that. Understandably. Yeah. Yeah, which is fine. You know, I'm tempted now and again. I, I stopped smoking mar- marijuana about Four, four, four or five years ago I've got no desire to but from what you can um, the, the medicinal stuff now in the US for example it, it would be interesting to see like how I would feel but at the moment I'm, I'm fine yeah um, we had a ton of fan questions that came in I'm going to sprinkle them in as much as I can here yeah cool. um, my, my buddy Wee Nguyen and James Green and a ton of others mentioned Radiohead and were wondering about inspiration with you and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But like, what else inspires your music and where does your style of drumming come from? Like, you're not really a metal drummer and you're very minimalist and experimental, which is one of my favorite styles. Like, I just absolutely love everything that you create and produce. And I'm just wondering where that, that influence comes from. Um, well, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, I think it comes from, I think growing up, I was a metal drummer. Um, I had the double kick, I had the cymbals, I had the, you know, like eight rack toms and, uh, sounded awful. Um, and I think because of learning that, um, and like I said, I I was into like the kind of like the breakdown style of metal. So like sludgy kind of like the slower, the better, there's nothing better. Um, I think growing up playing that and like my friends, like my, the bands that I was in, we just smoked a, a, a ton of weed and just played that. That gave me that like sense of like drive, I think in terms of the beats and the structures. And then as I got older, the Blink-182 kind of influenced the kind of like the speed and the trilly kind of thrills and the, and the just the fast paced, and the tight drums you know there's tiny snare drum and that kind of stuff and then getting to university and uh i think the biggest thing was when we got together we 
started writing music in uh, a bedroom, in Goyle's bedroom. We had no room for anything. So I literally used a kick drum and a snare drum and like a couple of like percussive shakers and a saucepan. And that forced me to just use that. You know, I think I, I think uh, the best way to like learn discipline is to remove, remove everything that you just don't need. And I just mastered the kick and the snare and 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 the majority of the first album was written like that. You know, and then we got to the studio and I could add more stuff, experiment a bit more. But our producer, Charlie, really wanted to keep that minimal, uh, minimal kind of thing. And uh, we were a very minimal band as well. Um, sorry, my throat is just like <laughs> the worst moment possible. You get a tickly cough. Um, just let it fly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't remember last time this happened. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, we we were just under in this environment that just allowed for discipline. You know, and Joe's guitar uh, writing and playing. It's all, for me. It was all about like honoring that and um, enhancing that in the best way. Like it's like cooking. Like you, 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 <clears throat> you don't want to just throw in anything. You season it, you know, perfectly if you can. And and that's the way that I approach writing the drums. Is is how can I just just uh, seal this or um, add a rhythm, you know. And I do that with Joe very well. I think I like in terms of like how easy it is. I just look at how he's playing as well. Like he plays, picks his guitar, and and sometimes it annoys the shit out of me because the the um, it's like polyrhythms. But that's you know one of his gifts is the fact that he he he's not thinking about bars or structure at all. He's just thinking, does this sound good? And then it's up to up to us to figure out how we uh, play it more than one bar working on something at the moment which which still not got my head around it's like tool like it's like almost sugar like it's just like right i think it comes around like at the end of the track <laughs> uh yeah and and gus as well like gus is like philip glass kind of minimal like we're in it's together in that bedroom at university just just one keyboard you know, you could hear everything, and you just you just lock into it. It, it. We didn't know that what we were doing at the time. We were just messing around, and and I've tried to keep that minimal style as much as I can. It can be difficult touring because you, if you're playing a big place, the drums have to connect. So I do use um, I use a Tama Star Classic Bubinga Wood kit, which is a metal drummer's kit. Like Abe Cunningham uses that kit. Um, but still no symbols. Yeah. So, so many fans were asking about the, the writing and creative process. Um, one fan on Reddit noted that the lyrics are often very dense for analysis and the music itself is packed with idiosyncrasies and callbacks to previous albums. And you guys also seem to make great use of what one might consider exotic musical motives. And then he said, we're all curious of how each song comes together and we'd love to hear about the writing process from beginning to end. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the lyrics, Joe's responsible for the lyrics and Gus helps, uh, kind of 
he he helps edit and kind of um, structure the lyrics a lot. Um, as far as I can tell, Joe reads a lot, particularly particularly during the first album at university. We we were both studying uh, fine art, and so Joe was reading a lot about art and a lot of kind of classic novels and. You know, and he writes about what he knows. So he, if he's reading a book and he's influenced by it, then he'll write about that. You know, and I think the idiosyncrasies, like they, 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 they're, they're deliberate. Like they do come back around. We do try to like kind of look back on what we've done and think it's a work in progress to an extent. Um, and it's nice to kind of like keep things going a little bit and tied together a little bit. In terms of the the writing, like kind of process, it it can vary. Often, Joe will have a guitar riff part, like a a, a piece, and we'll we'll go from that. Um, and I've been sending like Joe, like not so much recently, but I have in the past, like samples and things. Like I work I work a lot on Ableton, and it's it's so kind of just pull up your laptop and it's there so i i i i love working with samples um i'll send you things like that like when we're in the studio together like i have my laptop and some monitors and i have a few synths uh and i can just kind of like because i listen to a lot of that kind of music like a lot of electronic music also a lot of hip-hop it's like sample based hip-hop it's nice to know it's nice to think like well i can add this texture to it maybe yeah, and it, and it, I think the lyrics tend to tend to be introduced last. I think Joe likes to focus on the music first, and then the lyrics kind of come along. Although at the moment, it's not that way actually. I think because we've had quite a bit of time, Joe's the lyrics are uh, are, uh, are kind of running parallel at the moment for a couple of a couple of tracks. Yeah, I hope that answers the question. It's um, and it's 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 frustrating when people ask questions and they and they don't get the answer they want, but it can it can vary. And I, I think a lot of people want to know what the formula is, but there, there, I don't think there is one to be honest. I hope there isn't. Anyway, you know, we all want the secret formula. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a few bands I'd like their their formula from. Yeah, we 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 try to allow each other a lot of space and a lot of. Um, we're very accommodating of each other, um, you know. And I think we've we established quite early on that 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 the music comes first, and and we have to honour that. And we we try to remove any compromise. Um, and we're very lucky that we can do that. And we're very very lucky that we could do that from the from the beginning. You know, I know that a lot of people don't get that sh- straight away. But because we got that quite early on, I think we're, we're, it makes it even more imperative that we honor it. So, like, did your success and fame, this is maybe a little off topic, but did that affect your anxiety, like, a lot? Or how did, like, how did you kind of stay grounded throughout that whole process? Because you guys just skyrocketed, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, it just took off and you guys were a worldwide sensation. Yeah. I think it did affect me. Like I, I think uh, at the time of us releasing an awesome wave, and like the year before that, I'd say 
you know, at the time, I didn't think I realized, but I was like looking for things to make me feel better. And like, I was looking for things to fill uh, the void that, that I'd had for a long time. I didn't know that at the time. I was younger and I was a lot more naive. I had a lot more energy. And so I capitalized on a lot of it, you know, and um, I would, I would, you know, I kind of focused on the wrong things, but it's, it's easy to say that now, but I had a lot of amazing experiences and I, and I really ro- rode the, the wave. And, but I think in hindsight, I was avoiding a lot. And I think when you, when you're given that kind of sudden, uh, you know, it, 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 there was like a year or so before the album came out where we were nobodies and we were like, uh, you know, um, just writing music for ourselves and nobody knew we existed. But I think relatively it was quite quick. Uh, and in terms of like breaking America and stuff like that, it was felt, it felt ridiculously quick. And I think it sped up a lot of things. Like it sped up my kind of like need to fill that void and, and, and uh, avoiding myself a lot. You know, I think I, I, I spent a lot, a long time in a, in a, in a fog. Um, and I actually don't remember like a lot of stuff. Like I think because of my mental state, I wasn't capable of actually being there in the moment. And that's okay. Like I, I'm able to look back at that now and, and realize that, um, you know, I'm lucky that I never went like off the deep end. I think, uh, I was, I was fortunate enough that I had people around me that, that, uh, um, I could kind of bounce off of it. And, uh, but there was, you know, fairly recently, kind of 2016, 17, they, they were probably quite hard years, I think, uh, after the second album kind of, second album like wound down, 2016, I, um, you know, was living alone in London, just, I just bought a flat, which is incredible, uh, but I also had free time, I had more money, uh, you know, and then that's when I really, you know, that's when I really ignored myself and I really um, thought I was just having fun, but I, I was kind of being quite uh, self-destructive. So it does, it does for some people like myself, that kind of success, it can be uh, damaging. Um, but... I think I'm on the other side of it now. And I think I'm appreciating more, and I mean I can see a lot clearer now. And like and now I'm now I'm um, capable of like appreciating what I what I have and what I want. And I'm just very very lucky that that we had the success we did because I wasn't paying attention. You know, I wasn't maintaining the uh, the business of the band like you know other people were, and could have all gone south but other people kept it together uh so i'm very lucky and i'm aware of that now and now i now i'm able to be more present and i don't want to i don't know um you know i i wouldn't want to regret anything now yeah and so during quarantine and things like that when you really have a lot of time to think like have you been have you been creative like have you felt creative during quarantine actually that was a question from delaney schoenfeld 
She really wanted to know if you felt creative during quarantine. Yeah, I think I have. I, 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 I think I, to be, like I said, I think to begin with, I was like, also to, to begin with, nobody knew how long this would go on for either. So to begin with, I was like two weeks at home, you know, which in hindsight is like two weeks. You're like, <laughs> you know, really naive. Uh, but yeah, I was like, oh, two weeks at home inside you know i can play a lot of call of duty i can play a lot of piano uh i've got a studio in my house like painting studio like the previous owner was a painter so it's a, an actual painting studio uh i can use that you know and and but the trouble is i have i have very very high um ambition and very very high expectations of myself and and, and it's very unattainable um, I'm, I'm not like I'm working on it, but I'm, I'm trying to like lower my expectations of myself so that I can just enjoy what I'm doing. And so whilst I was being very creative, I was kind of under this like pressure from myself and it kind of like, but at points it became this weird thing where I'd be like, I don't want to do this right now, but I should be. Um, but I did do a lot of stuff that I, I really, I, you know, I kept up the acting, uh, I was taking, we were taking the classes online and I've been doing that for a couple of years now and it's a very small group of people with a really good teacher and uh, I did uh, Hamlet so I was, I did the famous to be or not to be soliloquy which is really hard just to memorize because you look at it it's like it makes no sense you might as well be learning uh, you might as well be learning a hundred numbers in a random order like <laughs> or another language uh, but then once you get a meaning, it's incredibly interesting. Um, and yeah, I did that and I was really proud of myself. I did that and I performed it on zoom and, uh, you know, it's Hamlet. It's like, fair enough. Uh, and can we get an excerpt from it? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I wish I could, but I wouldn't be able to do it without doing it properly. Right. Uh, you know, one day I'd love to do it properly. I'd love to play Hamlet. I think that would be you know, the thing that appeals to me about doing like Hamlet, for example, is the amount of work it would take. Like, oh my God, like to do the entire play. Like, I really want to put myself through that mill. Like, you know, I want to do that work. Um, you love the process, eh? Yeah. It's, it's, it's really fascinating. Uh, the acting like it's it's really from what i've learned you know that i think the key is to be yourself like and be as truthful as to yourself as possible which is surprising like i think a lot of people might find that quite surprising a lot of people might think it's the opposite and you're playing someone else and there are you know if you're playing a living person then you are to an extent but you're you're the, the idea is that you are alive you are alive and you aren't pretending anything. And that's when you get the best performances. Um, and, but it's very, very hard to do that. So yeah, I have been, I have been creative. Yeah. I've, I, I've been trying to learn Japanese as well. Uh, which, yeah, which is, I, I, it is quite creative because it's the language itself is so abstract um, and alien I think it, I am using that part of my brain in, in terms of um, you know, it's imagery and uh, symbols. Um, 
coding. I tried a bit of coding at the beginning, like learning Python. Uh, and I did a bit of that. And I got as far as I wanted to with it. Give us a sentence in Japanese. Oh, I can't. No, no, I, I, no, no, no. I'm still learning. Uh, um, you know, I like konnichiwa and arigato and ohio and uh, you know the basics. But at the moment, I'm trying to learn to read Japanese and write it. There's a song to to by my... one of my favorite bands, Umphrey's McGee, called Hajimamashite. Oh right, yeah, Hajimashite. <laughs> yeah, I think that's nice to meet you. If you met someone yeah. for the first time, yeah. Yeah, at the moment I'm just trying to read, and it, but you've got to, there's three different alphabets in in Japanese, which is insane. Just learn the, all three. What are they for? Well, one of them is for like native Japanese, another is for exterior, so things that don't translate. So, uh, you know, if you were to write, um, uh, I think like 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 uh, New York Yankees, like if you were to write that in Japanese, you would use. I can't remember if it's katakana or, or hiragana. Uh, and then another is kanji, which is Chinese implemented into Japanese. And kanji is like symbols. See, when you see those crazy like diagrams, that's kanji. So that might be an entire sentence in one symbol. And there's over 2,000 of those. So it's ridiculous. It's a big undertaking. <laughs> but I love Japanese culture and... Uh, it's a challenge, and I just like doing that. Um, and it is creative, I think. Yeah. So you guys have probably played in Japan, right? We have. Yeah, in Tokyo. Yeah, went to Tokyo with a band for the first time. Never, never been before, and been linked twice. Uh, and it's phenomenal. Like it's just so interesting visually. Like uh, you, I felt very calm there. Like because you're like my anxieties and things kind of weren't relatable there. They made no sense there because it's so alien it was very freeing and you know i love video games and and i always have and i'm i love technology and uh and they do that perfectly you know you can go to a nintendo like uh, and or like a secondhand shop and you can buy like a brand new like original sealed game boy for half the price you can here and uh i love that stuff yeah, they they take their obsessions to the next level. So they're my kind of people. They perfect their art. Yeah, they do, and they're incredible people. Very, 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 very polite, but uh, respectful and and civil. Yeah. yeah, disciplined and like traditional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I have so many questions. I'm going to try to get to as many as I can because yeah, yeah, I love them all. Um, cool. Ariella Sroloff wanted to know what the most difficult aspects of collaborating with other artists is and like, what do you like best and least about working solo? That's a good question. Difficult difficulties with collaboration is, is, well, for me personally, there's the social anxieties. So there's dealing with that to begin with. You don't know the person you assume there might be an ego because they're, they might be famous or they might be, you know, they're, they're musicians. So, there's there's that to deal with and then and then there's the language that you both speak like you've got you you're kind of like praying that you both find that um that kind of sweet spot of like knowing what you're what each other is talking about which can be hard with music um yeah and 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 kind of conveying your 
your vision, which is is a, is a really hard thing to do. I think I think a lot of creative people will understand that it can it, it it's a skill in itself talking about your art and your creativity because you're you're trying to um, verbalize something that is abstract, which is impossible. Like that's, I think that's one of the reasons uh, I'm drawn to like painting, for example, is that is that uh, there's the um, the challenge of conveying a concept as purely as possible. It's, it, it's impossible. And so there's, there's those kind of barriers which you have to get through, um, you know, and, and respecting the other artists as well and, and, and respecting their vision and what they want. And uh, I'm very kind of like, if I have a clear vision about something, then I, I really have to remember that, that the other person uh, has that same thing and I have to respect that because I can sometimes get a bit narrow sighted and, and think I, I know what I'm doing how can you not see it that way but I've never had like a very bad experience you know I've had experiences where it's taken a couple of minutes to like break the ice but most of the time it's great I've got a, a friend that I collaborate with a lot Adam Adam Connor and and uh when, when we're working together, it, 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 um, I come out and I'm like, like really exhausted, but in a really good way. And like my adrenaline is pumping because we just, it's incredible that like you're like, what about this? And he's like, yeah, hundred percent. And it sounds great. And, and having two, two brains working on the same thing. Well, is, is incredible. Um, and the, the other question was uh, working solo. Yeah, well, working 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 on my own is there's nobody else to um, tell me that um, what they think. Uh, you know, there's good things and bad things to that. You know, the bad thing is that then I've got no idea if it's any good or not. But, but it's uh, pure. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's very meditative, I find, working with myself. Like uh, the amount of stuff that I've made and I've not released, just because it's just it's just the fact that I'm working on it. It's just the process of, of discovering these sounds, like working on Ableton, like with my headphones on. You just enter this 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 world where you are in it, and and the flow kind of kicks in. And that is uh, it's essential for me that kind of way of working to be happy and uh, have good mental health to work like that um so there's good side there's there's benefits to to both ways of working definitely need a balance michael seidel was wondering how influential was gregorian chant to alt j's sound like was it is it intentional or just coincidence i think i think it's intentional to an extent yeah i don't it's not something that we've uh, talked about excessively I mean I don't sing so it could be more so with Joe and Gus they're very very into their folk music and their um, their folk choirs and uh, their early music choir like uh, Gus has been very influenced by early music and and he brings a lot of that to the band Uh, I think they I think they have a lot of focus around um, harmonizing and they're very good at it and they spend a lot of time on it 
um, you know, it's, it's, it's an instrument in itself. Um, but in terms of Greg, Gregorian chant specifically, I would have to ask them, but as far as I'm aware, it's not a, um, it's not a huge influence. Millie Long wants to know what's your favorite song to perform and why? It, it varies a lot, but I'd say on the last tour, I would say uh, oh, it's difficult. It's so difficult because like Hunger of the Pine, for example, that beat um, at the beginning uh, on the, um, so I, I programmed that beat or the first half of that beat is programmed. So I had to learn how to play it on the kit and I put it on pads, so I play it on pads. It was very hard to learn because because program, programming a beat is entirely different from playing it. I've, I've programmed beats before, and it and it's like that makes zero sense uh, as a drummer. Um, and Hunger of the Pine, after programming, it was like this, this okay, so there's three different rhythms, like the kick is in a different rhythm to the snare and, and then to the hi-hat. So I had to learn. I had to learn how to play the hi hat, and then introduce the snare, and then the kick, and eventually I got it. And it's just a, like a trap beat, like and so playing that live, like you know, we played Royal Albert Hall in London uh, twice. That was the two last shows that we did of the Relaxer tour. We ended two nights in Royal Albert Hall, which you know we live in London. It was dream come true, and playing that beat when it kicked in. It doesn't get any better than that, you know? And, uh, but at the same time, like Nara, that beat, there's like 12 different beats for Nara and it gives me a bit of room to improvise as well. And I really go for it. So it's annoying, it's an annoying answer. Um, but I think if, if I could choose one, I think it'd be Nara. Nice, I think that's probably my favorite Alche song too. Oh really? Yeah. Wow, that's cool, yeah.
says she met you twice you're such a sweet guy and I would love to know how he feels about fan interaction and like I know you talk about being an introvert and I just maybe like does the fame and admiration is it a bit much at, at times or is it always heartwarming or, or both I guess yeah I think I think it's that's sweet that Tiffany says that I, I remember meeting Tiffany and um you know it, it the thing is when I think about it, it actually makes me quite emotional when I when I think about meeting fans because you know they are going out of their way to um let me know that something that i did they like and that is invaluable like in life like it's invaluable on any level like you know if if somebody thanks you for something uh you know i wish that 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 would that um that was more of a an appreciated currency in in life like and so meeting fans is is invaluable and it's the best thing about doing what i do because i know what it's like i like i've met people that i look up to and i just want them to know like you've changed my life and and you know and at the same time like i i i find it difficult uh you know um I have social uh difficulties which which I can't help you know and so I get a bit overwhelmed I get a bit nervous uh I I'm very very self-conscious so if say for example we know that we're going to be meeting people I I get really nervous and uh I I start to get very tense and I start to project things you know I start to wind myself up and so when i i i get to meet somebody i find it hard to look them in the eye i find to, i find it hard to listen what's what they're saying and 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 then and then you know usually if i spend a couple of minutes with them then it gets easier so you know i i know that i will have met fans in the past and i probably will have come across like a total uh you know um <laughs> a total cunt and i know that like and you know and i apologize if i have done and it 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 always affects me as well i know when i have and it happens the interaction happens then i'm on my own and i feel awful and i know that nobody would want that to happen and 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 it's it's just the way the way it is but i'm working on that as well you know i'm 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 not as scared as people of people anymore and and when I, when you're t- when you're touring for a long time and you have mental health issues and which aren't being monitored it's a disaster like to be honest and you know there's only so much people around you can do on notice if you don't talk to people nobody's ever going to know what's going on and that's what happened with me like it's nobody's fault it's not my fault it's not my bandmates fault it's not the crew's fault it's just the way it was um but now i'm really looking forward to when we we do get to tour again getting to meet fans again because i want to be able to uh to interact and show my appreciation again yeah uh, you mentioned like people telling you about how your mu- their music your music has affected them and the first time i saw you guys this is 
this is one of the top five musical moments I've ever experienced in my life, and I've seen countless shows. But at Oceaga in 2013, oh right, in Montreal, Canada, I yeah, during the song "Dissolve Me," it was raining, and right. th the sun was behind a rain cloud just above the stage. And oh. during during that breakdown of vocal harmonies, as the section was just like sort of reaching that crescendo. The clouds parted, the sun shined bright, and the rain stopped, and the music kicked back in, and it was just one of the most amazing experiences. And it was, like I said, it was the first time I saw you guys, and I was always a huge fan. Now dissolve me Two tabs on your tongue I heard the sheep sleep now, my only one. Broken sweethearts ah, who sleep apart. Lost to find their side spines when the sleep starts. And most of all. Now shush, she makes a sound, the sound she makes, to calm me down.
sound the sea makes me deep in the North Sea. That story, even telling it right now, gives me chills, and I've told it so many times. Yeah. And I've always wanted to tell you that story, and I just, it was incredible. I just, well, never I appreciate that. that. I appreciate that a lot, you know, and I know, I know what you're saying as well. Like, I've, I've felt that before. You know, and it's an honor to be able to do that, you know, and to be a part of that myself, uh, you know, and, and it, I need, I need, I need to hear that as well, because, you know, I'll get complacent, you know, like I said, being on tour for six months, sometimes I'm in an awful mood, you know, and, and hearing that, I, I, you know, I need to hear that because like every single person has, has made the effort to come and see that. Uh, I have to do that justice so, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Just on the tail end of that, Cassie B was wondering what, what is the best compliment you've ever received? Oh God. Uh, that's a really good, good question. I don't know specifically, to be honest. I think, I think in terms of my achievements, Actually, one comes to mind. Uh, it, might, it might sound a bit odd, but um, we, we played Coachella um, in 2013, I think, the first time. Uh, and we were just like, "What? Why? How are we here?" Uh, you know. And there was all this buzz around us as well, and it was like, "This is just insane." We're on at 4 p.m., um, which was a perfect slot for us at the time. And somebody told us that Skrillex was going to watch us from side of stage. And I was a big, big fan of Skrillex. I think he's one of the most talented people in the world. As a producer, he's like a savant and, um, and he's, he's a good, good person. And uh, so I was like, oh, shit. Okay, well, he's going to watch us, you know, me, you know, he's going to watch me play drums. And uh, it really affected how I played, but I think in a good way, you know, I often find it that pressure knowing that certain people are in the crowd is like, I'll, I'll fucking, I'll show you like, you know? Um, and so I played my balls off and, uh, and then came back afterwards and uh, he didn't want to overwhelm us and stuff. And he was, he was being really nice about it. And then later on we hung out with him and he was like, you're a really good drummer. And I knew that he meant it. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. And he really meant it. And he was like, do you like the Deftones? Like you remind me of like the Deftones. I was like, you are the only person so far to recognize that. And yes, like I'm massively influenced. And he was like, yeah, I can hear it all over it. Wow. And in that moment, I was just like, you know, we're in it backstage at Coachella. And the backstage, if you're an artist, all the artists are in the same area. So, you know, you'll, you'll see Beyonce or Katy Perry walking around and Skrillex and uh david david Byrne and people and so you know it might like you know in terms of compliments go it's up there i i love that 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 memory yeah that's awesome yeah uh, i'm gonna try to show you i don't know how to share screen here but um see if you can see this do you see that oh yeah i see that yeah 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 this is some fan art that was sent. Yeah. Was that a group I, of people? Yeah, they, uh, so 
Just one second. Let's see if I can get back out of here. Am I back? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Millie Long and Sakara Vitiero were wondering if you appreciate fan art, and they wanted to show you that because uh, let them know that Turka Skodova's idea and included 30 people worldwide. So I thought that was pretty cool. It is cool, yeah, yeah. I did see it. I did see it. And uh, I, um, this, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I do love fan art, yeah. You know, sometimes it's uh, with my kind of, um, you know, my self-consciousness and things. It's like, oh, that's that's a picture of me, and you know, you got to you've got to kind of take that in. Um, but it's great. It's amazing the amount of effort that went into that. I appreciate every single person that did that. You know, for them all to like come and and communicate with each other. To spend spend the amount of hours that, that that must have taken just and that's to do with me and Joe and Gus. Um, you know, I can't actually like take in how how uh, how how amazing how amazing that is and how grateful I am. You know, yeah. and it's I don't have the I'm too lazy to make fun art like <laughs> you know and. It's a beautiful, it's a view, it's a beautiful picture. It's really well done, and uh, and obviously I know that photo. I know where where we were when we when that photo where it's what it's based on was taken. It takes me back to that moment in New York, in Brooklyn, I think, in uh, yeah, in like a warehouse. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, I appreciate it a lot. There's been, I've had some amazing gifts and some amazing fun art made. I've got, I've got a lot up at home. It's great. I love it. Um, I, I know we're getting towards the end here. I, I have like four more questions. We can maybe rapid fire and try to get everybody included here. Cool. Um, James Green asked, intro, awesome wave or this is all yours? Which one's better? Uh, awesome wave. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He I said, think... He wanted to settle it once and for all. Yeah, I mean, awesome wave is, uh, you know, it's groundbreaking. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to. Uh, it's kind of annoying how uh, how how much I love that album and how um, proud of it I am because I just compare everything we do to it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, and and it's really like uh, it changed uh, our lives dramatically. That album. You know, and it's this weird thing because, like, when we're writing, it's like, oh, we like we think back to it, and it's like, you know, we need to like do that again, and like, it's like, well, we can't, like, we're different people. Right. It's impossible to do that again. You know, what we need to do is embrace who we are now and be honest about it. You know, and that's what because that's what we did then. Like, we weren't thinking this is going to be very good for us. We had no idea. Like, we genuinely didn't know if if we released the album it would sell a couple of copies and we'd just go back to work, like work, work, right. You know, so that, you know, it, it's, it's hard to compare anything to an awesome way, but yeah. Intro. Yeah. Yeah. I like them both, but that one hands down. I agree. And Thomas Gaffney said, having painted the art for this is all yours. What are your favorite album covers? Good question. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. It's obviously Nirvana Bleach, which is iconic. Yeah. 
Um, in Rainbows, good cover. All of Radiohead's covers seem to be yeah, it's true. awesome. Yeah, and it's one of those things where they kind of influence each other. The music influences the cover and vice versa. They could have had a picture of a brick wall on there or, the, or just like a, a pile of a pile of garbage and it would have been iconic. Would have made sense somehow. Yeah, it would. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I really like the, the Kids See Ghosts album cover. And actually, the, the leak, well, you know, Kanye is kind of it's controversial at the moment, but... Um, the cover that he posted for his so-called album that he will be apparently releasing, uh, that cover is incredible. Like he's good at like aesthetics, like, you know, like I have to hand it to him. Like I wish he'd released the album already. And, uh, but that cover is something else. I can't describe how, what it does to me, but I'm like, you, you, you bastard. Like, I, I like I wish I'd seen that. That's what a good, a good cover is for me, anyway. So I wish I'd seen that. Yeah, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I'd have to go through my Spotify or something. I love it. Um, Sam Hudson was wondering, what was the most difficult part of Gwil leaving the band, and was there anything he contributed that you feel is maybe missing now? Yeah, I think I think the hardest part was the months afterwards because we we um he left uh the day before we were due to like start writing a second a second album um which is fine like it was it was the timing was you know for him there was no great great time to go um so it was it was a weird couple of months after that we were like can we do this like we, we have no idea like we're not sure like i don't think any of us thought we shouldn't like we knew that uh we we had to crack on and in terms of what he brought he brought a lot like you know he brought uh, the di- the dynamic of three is very different to four you have to be careful sometimes that the that the three doesn't become lopsided um with four there is it can be easier to navigate and there is a bit more kind of democracies maybe but uh I think I've personally, I've found that the hardest is, you know, I lent on him for a lot and he was always very, very, uh, truthful and honest. Like he always, his values were crystal clear. Well, they, they seem to be, it might, might not be, he might say different, but they, they always, his value always have been. And, and so if he didn't agree with something, then, then, you know, he, he gave his reasons and I respect that a lot and I and I and I try to be like that myself um and yeah I, I miss that you know I miss he and I agreed on a lot of stuff and uh and also like he he, he took things seriously but he also you know didn't and and, and that, that's the best way I can put it like without sounding like or something bad like he took it seriously in 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 the way that you should we're still friends still still, still talk to him and see him yeah yeah that's awesome new music alt j solo stuff what what can we expect what's what's on the go um so yeah we, we you know we've been working on stuff we always are um and before lockdown hit we were walk, working on stuff in the capacity of it being, uh, you know, Alt J, 
I have to be careful what I say just because. Give it to me. Give it all. Yeah. I wish I could. Like, I, you know. <laughs> but, and also the truth is that, that uh, we are really working day by day at the moment just because um, you just, we just don't know what the plan is. And, and also that's the best way for us to work. I appreciate that it's been a while and, um, you know, that uh, if it was me, I'd be, I'd, I'd want something right now. Um, but all I can say is that, that, that the stuff that we've been doing, uh, is for me on par with, uh, what we did to begin with, like an awesome way, like in terms of like the way that we are writing and, and how we feel and, uh, the space around it and, um, um, just how easy it is. Uh, it, it, we were quite surprised with what we were doing and um, just how good it is. Uh, and so for us to, for, for us to release anything, it has for us has to be perfect. So it will take time, but it will be worth it, I hope. And solo stuff, I'm always working on stuff, but I, I have this thing where I'm like, I'm kind of scared to put it out because it, it, it you know, there's a couple of things. Like I want to do it justice. Like I want it to be released and I want people to hear it. And there is a little bit of like, uh, you know, Alt-J is the, the golden boy and, and the, the solo stuff isn't. Uh, so I have to kind of like talk to people a bit more to get it out, um, which is fine, but uh, I'm very precious of it as well. And, uh, I'm tempted every day to just put it all on SoundCloud all at once. Yeah, which, I, which, yeah. which, but I'd be fine with. I'm not, I'm not trying to make money off it or anything. Like, but I want people to listen to it. So when I think about that, it's like I want to, I want it to reach as many people as possible. And if I just put it on SoundCloud, six people would listen to it. <laughs> you know, four of them would be me. <laughs> I might be five and six. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I'm working with a friend at the moment who I mentioned, Adam Connor. We made an EP together, and it's—I can say this because I'm only half of it. It's amazing, uh, and I really want the right—I re- I want to release it in the right way. Like it knocks, like it's like it's heavy and it's Apex Twin esque, and it's also just trappy and um, and and good. So, where do I where do we find that? It's not out like again. Like I, I, we've got six tracks, and I get. I just want to do it justice, and and yeah, I'm very like I'm perfectionist. So unfortunately, it has to be perfect before I release it. <laughs> so, well, we all are excited for anything that you put out, and just can't wait. Seriously, can't wait. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, it's good to know. Well, it's it's been a pleasure talking to you. This has been surreal for me uh huge fan just of your solo stuff alt j everything you in general thank you so much for doing this man i appreciate it I, you know like i think people often might assume that like i might you know that, that i haven't done interviews in a long time i had to kind of stop doing it and uh and i uh, think quite rightly might think that i just wouldn't want to do it but i like you know like I, I don't mind talking and, and in this environment, there's no pressure and uh, I appreciate you asking me and uh, I appreciate all the questions, you know, it's really nice to be in the middle of like a pandemic and not being on tour for almost two years to know that people care and, and that, 
and people people are still listening and and you know one thing i i, I recently I, I deactivated my social media like my instagram and my twitter account because i was it was driving me mad the amount of people that are getting cancelled left right and center at the moment because of slip-ups you know slip-ups might be the wrong way to put it like you know a lot of people deserve it but I'm, i don't like seeing all that stuff every day so you know i i deactivated my accounts but you know, and I know that, like, I do speak to a lot of fans and interact with people through that. So I apologize if, if it seems like I don't care. I do. Uh, you know, there's the Alt J Discord, which I set up recently. I'm on there. Um, I'm happy to like engage with people on there. The thing, the link is on uh, the Alt J Facebook page, and um, so if I'm, um, yeah, I'll be engaging with people on there and stuff. It's just Instagram and Twitter. It's not that healthy for me, so. I don't think it's healthy for anybody, to be honest. I agree. I could talk. I could talk for an hour on why social media is uh, is really damaging, and and uh, you know, I have to, I, there's a fine line between sounding like a conspiracy theorist and, um, but I think I think from the people that are um, who I respect are really like making sense about it, and there's there's a lot that I'm learning about the kind of reward system that you get from it and how it's addictive and how, how it, uh, you know, your, your Instagram account is, it's a persona. It's not you. You're like just maintaining this persona. And that's what I was doing. You know, like, I really hope that people like this image that I'm posting and I've only got so many likes, like that's making me feel bad, you know, or being scared to post a picture of yourself. Cause it's like, I'm fucking ugly and, and it's not true. None of that's true. So I'm trying to take a step step back, and but the Discord is there if people are wanting to interact. So yeah. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you. It's been, seriously, it's been a pleasure. I don't know how else to even say it to you. Like this is surreal, and I hope to see you guys again on the road soon, and hopefully I'll get to get to meet you in person. Oh yeah, anytime, anytime. You know, when we're, when we're coming through uh, near you, just let me know. Hello. Yeah, like I said, like if you wanna, if you wanna, like we can keep in contact on the Discord if you want, and uh, for sure, or email or whatever. Um, and we'll definitely hang out like as soon as we can. So I appreciate Absolutely. it. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care of yourself. You too. See ya. Cheers. China Gappa jumps to two feet, creep up the road. Two photo to record me, lumps in war. The advance as does his chance. Oh, very yellow at flash. A violent red Christmas rips light as lips like rats. But so
Mary's lost rattle last chokes Oh, colors and cares glazed to gray Shriveled and stricken to thoughts The left hand grasp or the body grasp not Thank you. 